tell you, I've come excited to preach today. I've come excited to preach. I feel I'm carrying something. I don't feel that I've come so much with a message, but I've, 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 I'm God's delivery boy coming with lots of messages for lots of different people. I think that God is, uh, you can't see it right now, but in the spirit, there's a big bag on my side and, and I'm here to deliver some messages into people's lives. And uh, yeah, so I'm just going to get right on to it. Um, and uh, I want to I speak um, from 1 Samuel 17. And uh, to those of you who have been around the Bible for a while, you might recognize this as the scriptures that are to do with um, David and Goliath. Uh, and I'm not going to break into the whole story today. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take us into a little part of it. But 1 Samuel 17, verse 32 to 40 said this, says this, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around in it because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. And then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his, back, his hand, approached the Philistine. Let's pray. Holy Spirit of God, we invite you to do that which only you can do today. Lord, I am your humble servant. I am your son. And Father, you have sent me here today on a mission. And I pray, oh God, that you would enable me to deliver that which it is that you want me to deliver into this service, into these lives, in the name of Jesus. I pray that hearts and minds would be open to receive that which the Spirit of God is saying in Jesus' name. And a faith-filled church said, Amen. Amen. I want to just home in for a moment. Verse 33, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him, you are only a boy. You are only a boy. Uh, my 
uh, grandson uh, came round. I think he, you know, I think he brought his mum and dad as well. But he came round uh, a couple of weeks ago now, and uh, he was asking me to put a film on the TV. And he said, "Look, pops, a diagraph." Now. There may be those among you uh, this morning who are feeling smug because you know what a diagraph is. However, I have managed to live 52 years <laughs> and never encountered this word, diagraph. And, and what unfolded was quite interested, interesting. <clears throat> Firstly, I tried to force what I didn't understand into something that I did. So I said, no, baby, what you mean is it's a diagram because that sounded more like something I knew. And he said, no, Pops, a diagraph. And I began to think about this. Now, a diagraph, let's just press pause if you're wondering what it is. I think uh, uh, because we all wanted to know, his mom sent through the definition. Diagraph is a pair of letters representing a single sound, a single speech sound. So it says the E-A, it's two letters, but it has one sound. E or T-H is two letters, but it has one sound. Or C-H would have two letters, but one sound. And it's all right, you look in there, well, I knew that. I knew that. Well, I didn't, all right, I didn't know. But what was more interesting than my lack of knowledge about this was what I tried to do with that moment. You see, I tried to correct something that didn't need correcting. I was hearing something unfamiliar and assumed because of the source of the information, I was right. You see, the story I was telling myself is that 52-year-olds teach four-year-olds. Because that is what I know. Four-year-olds do the learning, not the teaching. See, I didn't realize. My big problem was that I didn't realize how big my problem was. <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know. It's a dangerous place if you don't know what you don't know. And I was working from the premise that I knew what was best. Where might we be thinking we know best? Where God is trying to get something new to us through a source we didn't expect. I'm going to say that again. Where might we be thinking we know best when God is trying to get something new to us through a source we didn't expect? You see, when they said to David, you are only a boy, the story they were telling themselves was your inexperience cannot compete with the experience of Goliath. Because they were saying you are only a boy. However, he has been a warrior since his youth. He was saying, hey, you, you, your inexperience cannot cope with the experience of this giant. Now I want to say our experience has value, but it is a servant, not a master. My experience says this is water, but Jesus says it's wine. My experience says, well, a woman caught in adultery is stoned, but Jesus says, go and sin no more. 
My experience has crippled from birth, but Jesus says, hey, no, take up your mat and walk. My experience has value, but it is a servant, not a master. So David, of course, convinces them that he wants to go and, you know, that he's trusting God and, and knows what he's doing. And then this is, I, I just love this, this, I think, this very powerful scene unfolds where the next thing that happens is that Saul dresses David in his own tunic. He put armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. We could have a lot of fun with that, but we don't have time today. And then it says that, that David fastened on his sword over his tunic. Now, I want us to just think about this for a moment. Because just prior to this account, we have this amazing story, again, which I would love to get into, but I can't. But we have this amazing story where Samuel comes to town and, uh, and uh, he goes through all the sons of Jesse and can't find the God, the one that God has decided to call king. And they have to bring David in from the field. And God says to Samuel, this is the one, anoint him. And David is anointed to be king. And so you say, okay, yeah, yeah. So what I want to say is that there was something about this moment that felt right. He was wearing the king's tunic. Because he was carrying an anointing that said, I'm meant to be king. So he was wearing something that said, hey, I'm a king. I'm a king because I'm wearing a king's tunic. But God had already ordained that when David wore a king's tunic, tunic, it would not be because man had put it on him. See, man will sometimes, seemingly for the right reasons, put things on you that are actually counterfeit. It looked like the right thing. But it was a poor copy of the genuine article that David was meant to wear. People sometimes ask us, you know, what do you miss about South Africa? Uh, and, you know, we can talk about numerous things, the sun being the main one. But one of the things I absolutely don't miss is that um, in South Africa, traffic lights are called robots. Don't ask me why, but every time you pull up the traffic lights at the robots, there are like a sea of street sellers who are wanting to sell you stuff. And, and one of the things that they often try and sell you is copied goods. They will try and sell you a lot of handbags. They like to sell handbags, Gucci, Michael Kors, Louis Vuitton, and just for a few rand, you can own one of these great names. Of course, they are not genuine. But there are people who buy them. And that's why they're selling them. Because there are people who would prefer to carry a cheap imitation rather than pay for the full price for the genuine article. 
Because the, the story they tell themselves is that people will think it's the real thing. But it can never be the real thing. Because it's a cheap copy. You see, David could have had the cheap imitation now. He could have had the cheap copy now. Or he could wait for God. Will you wait for God? Will you try and go for something now? Or will you wait for God? You see, the tunic that David was going to be wearing was not a tunic that man could put on him. It was a tunic that God would put on him, but it was very expensive. You see, the tunic God wants to put on you is very expensive. It will cost you everything. But it will be the genuine article. Will you pay the full price for the genuine article? Or will you go into battle with a cheap imitation? Now, whilst in that moment there was something that felt right, <laughs> there was also something that felt wrong. Because he tried it out. He walked around and it's ah, maybe there was something in him right there that wanted it. Oh, I, I would really love this to work, but it just, it, just, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right that, it was, it was, that this was what he was supposed to wear, wear in. You see, he was not supposed to walk around in something that was intended for another man. The story they told themselves when they dressed him in this armor was that when you go and fight this kind of enemy, you wear this kind of armor. That was their experience. That was the story they told themselves. But David was dressing himself according to the fears of those around him. And not the faith that had got him there in the first place. He dressed himself according to the fears of those around him. And not the faith that had got him there in the first place. You see, that which looked like it was going to protect him would have ended up killing him. Because whatever fear makes you wear will restrict you. I'm going to say that again because somebody, for somebody I've just preached, whatever fear makes you wear will restrict you. Could fear be making you wear something that you're not meant to wear? Whatever fear puts on you will stop you're releasing what God has put in you. And it's what God has put in you that will give you the victory. See, Saul's armor says you are not enough. Saul's armor says what is in you is not enough. Saul's armor says who is in you is not enough. And David tried it out, but he knew it just didn't feel right. There were some things along the way that just need to be discarded. A couple of weeks ago, I went on a retreat, and um, yeah, it was a, it was an, an important an important time for me. I want to say, you know, we need to understand 
You know, I think that as, as a community, we absolutely understand that the leaders should be praying for the community. But I want to also say that the community needs to be praying for the leaders. We, we need your prayers. We value your prayers. We, 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 we absolutely need them. If we're going to be what God wants us to be, and if we're going to go where God wants us to go, please pray for us. I know many of you do. Please keep doing that. So I went, I went for a little bit of a retreat, and it was a, it was a Catholic retreat center, but it was amazingly peaceful and quiet and a beautiful surroundings. And uh, we, they, they, they fed us, which was good. I, I didn't feel compelled to be entering into a fast at that time. I was happy to receive the, the food. And um, so we had breakfast every day and got a nice breakfast. But there was that, this thing. So I, I've got to say that there were people of a certain age who went on this retreat. We'll just leave it at that, just a certain age. I could have led the youth group. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but there was, there was this experience that I had every morning. And like, it, was, it freaked me out. I just didn't know what I was. So like, um, they, did do, they did do porridge, you see. So porridge is good for you. My, I knew my wife would be pleased with me. You know, sometimes it's more important that my wife is pleased with me. So she, was, she would be pleased with me if I was eating porridge. And in fact, even though I, th- there were lots of people there who wanted to eat porridge, which was good. They, they weren't just there to get their spirits healthy. They were there to get their uh, lives healthy, and they were eating porridge. But what many of they did that I didn't do was they, I, I've never seen this in my life, because there, there was prunes there. And like on my table, everybody, everybody was putting prunes on their porridge. Now what I haven't told you is that, that, that uh, everybody else there at the time was on a silent retreat. For those of you who don't understand that, that means it was a retreat that was silent. <laughs> so no one was speaking and... By default, that means even though I hadn't gone on a silent retreat, I now was on a silent retreat. Because <laughs> no one was speaking to me and I couldn't speak to anybody else. <laughs> However, it's amazing. Things aren't being said, but things are being said. I actually saw people trying to communicate with eyebrows and <laughs> gestures and all kinds of things. But anyway, there was this, there was this kind of thing. There was me without prunes on my porridge, and there were those people who had prunes on their porridge. And it was like, it was like this unspoken thing in the atmosphere that said, oh, it keeps me regular. Does it keep you regular? Oh, I love it. I love it with my porridge. It keeps me regular. Does it keep you regular? And it's like, right? And, and then there was like this judgment that came to mind. Oh, he's not regular. Ooh. And it was like, I just felt the judgment come upon me. I had to give it to Jesus. And, and then, and then it was like, so this ritual was every morning. It was three mornings. I, I almost put me off going down to breakfast. It was this ritual. But then I, so that, this, was the, this was the thing. So I got over the judgment. And then there was this thing. Now, I don't know who decides this stuff. But suddenly, isn't that amazing? I found what, just because you're eating prunes, the rules change. What I mean is normally... Food goes in your mouth, it's chewed, it stays in your mouth, and you swallow, but not with prunes. With prunes, the rules change, and it's all fine. Because what they do is they suck. (laughs) 
spit it back on the spoon. You're putting things back on the spoon. And then tapping it on the side of your bowl. And somehow it's absolutely fine to sit there with sucked hairy prune stones on the side of your bowl. And everyone's, everyone who's regular is thinking this is fine. Me who wasn't regular is thinking, what is going on? I thought this is not right. It's not right. Who decides this stuff? So anyway, they, they, so I, I, was thinking, um, I was thinking about this, not for any spiritual reasons. I was thinking, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. I, how can this happen? And, and actually, I felt God, uh, probably about the, somewhere between the second and the third day, talk about the stuff you don't need needs to be discarded. They are no longer part of the journey. And this was essentially what was happening in David. There was, there was some stuff that didn't feel right that needed to be discarded. God was saying, strip it back. Take off Saul's armor. Take off Saul's armor. Take off Saul's armor. Shake off every restrictive, limiting thing. You see, the, the armor's okay if you're, if you're going into battle like everybody else, but God wasn't sending him into battle like everybody else. He was sending him in with a sling. An armor, the armor that was designed to protect you will limit you. It will restrict you. It will stop you releasing what God has put in you because the victory is not through what's on the outside. The victory is not through looking like everyone else on the battlefield. The victory is not through man's wisdom. Essentially, God was saying to David, strip it back. Rely on me. Rely on what I put in you. You see, David had a honed set of skills. But they did not seem that they were enough. The moment seemed to be calling for something more. But it's not just about what you're carrying, it's about who you're carrying. And we see that David went into battle. He went into battle with no armor and a slingshot and some stones, not pruning stones. And you can almost imagine the story that people were telling themselves. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work, guys. Look, look at us. Look at him. It's not going to work. But when Goliath fell, they were left thinking, but how, how did he do that with that? God's about to do some things in your life that don't make sense. God's about to give you some victories that don't make any sense. I don't know whether anyone is alive out there this morning. He's stripping it back, but God's about to cause some giants to fall. I've heard Preachers declare and say that God guided that stone in, right into the center of Goliath's head. I want to challenge that concept this morning because I believe the more likely account is that David was a crack shot. God was using something that he was practiced at and he was excellent at. God used what was in David to take out the enemy. It was that he did not use a sword 
that somebody else had given him. You see, I've got this thing that David strapped, David strapped the sword to himself. Others may have put stuff on him, but he strapped something to him. But God didn't want him to strap someone else's way to him. He doesn't want him to strap someone else's way of fighting a battle. He wanted, God wanted to use what it put in him to deal with this battle. What are you carrying? Have you strapped something to you? Are you trying to fight with something that you are not meant to fight with? God is not wanting to put something on you to use something that you're not used to. God is trying to put, get out of you what he's put in you because what is in you is what's going to take down the enemy. What are the gifts and talents and creativity that lie dormant right now because you are trying to win battles with somebody else's sword? Your victory lies in what God has put in you, not what others are trying to put on you. I find it interesting as well that David was well practiced in using that slingshot. You see, God utilizes excellence. He doesn't just compensate for laziness. God, well, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes... You know, uh, you get people, I mean, it's happened to me many, many times, you know, pastor, pray for me. I've not, you know, I'm, I've not managed to revise as much as I wanted to and been busy. And, uh, but I'm believing God for a miracle. <laughs> I'm believing God. I'm believing God he can. And, you, you know, like, I've, I absolutely genuinely believe that there are some times when for genuine reasons we can't get to what we need to get to and God will make a way and, and supernaturally make up for what we're not able to do. But God will not compensate for laziness. He will utilize excellence, and he's looking for people who have put in the mouths. One of the things was one of the things that ultimately got David into the king's palace was that he was a skilled harp player. You are you getting a bit of a picture here of what David is like? He's excellent at his slingshot. He's excellent at playing the harp. There's something here that says something about who and what he is, and God utilizes the excellence that is in him. When anointing meets preparation, you get the breakthrough. When anointing meets preparation, you don't just hit the target, you hit the bullseye. God was using what was in David to defeat the enemy. David had been prepared for this moment. It didn't seem like it was enough. But God will turn your not enough into more than enough. God is able to take your little and he make it much. I, I, I believe that God wants us this morning to re-engage with a God who is able to take our little bit and multiply and make it more. He's saying you don't need what you think you need. What you need is me. What you need is me. I will give you. All you need is to obey. All you need is to do what I've asked you to do. Because God's work in God, done in God's ways will never lack God's supply. That's a quote from Hudson 
tailor. God's work done in God's ways will never lack God's supply. And he will, he will find a way this morning. If you've only got a little bit of bread, he can feed 5,000. With a little bit of fish, he can feed 5,000. With a little bit of oil, he can keep you going. He doesn't need a lot. If you just give to him the little bit that you've got, he will multiply it and he will give you your breakthrough. You see, a repeating theme in this message has been the stories we tell ourselves. What are the stories we tell ourselves? One of the things that I did when uh, I was on the street street, I went for a walk. There's some amazing walks. It's a beautiful uh, North Wales countryside. And actually, we had a couple of really nice spring Days and uh, it was very tempting. I said, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm going to go for a walk. So I did. And uh, what I'd not quite uh, understood is that uh, on the walk, there was a, one or two set walks. And as I went out on this walk, I hadn't really taken into account how muddy it was. And running right down the middle of this field, there was... Um, uh, it, it was just like literally water running down it. And they must have had some cows walk through the, the field or whatever that had moshed it all up into mud and there was water running through it. And I actually walked right down the bottom of the field to walk all the way back up again to avoid this uh, mud. And, um, and then I, I thought on the way back I would be cleverer. And I looked like, it looked like it's a saw uh, a, a different way. And I, I got... I got into the center of this, this muddy area, and I was telling myself, Mark, you're going to ruin your trainers. You're going to ruin your trainers. Tra- trainers, how, how shallow am I, eh? You know, there I am with Jesus, and I'm like, my trainers, I'm going to ruin my trainers. But I was, I, I was stuck. I was stuck. I couldn't go back, and I couldn't go forward. But don't worry, because I saw that there was this little ledge and there was barbed wire running down the side, and there was all mud here, and I thought, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. So I got, I got on, oh, give myself a little bit more of a ledge. I got on the ledge, and I'm clinging to the barbed wire, and that's exactly what happened. My foot went in the muddiest way. So now I get back up, and I'm clinging. I can't go back. I can't go forward. I'm praying now. I'm saying, God, you need to help me. You need to help me. And, and then in the end, I couldn't, I couldn't move because I realized that the bank, the little ledge here was too steep. It wasn't like this. So every time I put my foot on, my trainers that I was trying to save were too slippy. And in the end, And I walked on. My hands were bleeding. <laughs> because I'd got cut, all cut from the barbed wire. My, my trainers were all muddy. And I thought, Malcolm, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, this is my time with God, eh? This is my time with God. This is a time to walk and reflect and just come by our kanamandai, shalamandai. My trainers are muddy. My hands are bleeding. Actually, maybe that was like Jesus. I don't know. But it was, 
It was not a great experience. And then just up ahead, I saw some long grass. And the long grass was also wet, but there was no mud around. And what I found was that most of the mud came off in the long grass. And I thought to myself, I, I actually chuckled to myself because there I was wiping off my trainers in the long grass. My hands are bleeding. And I thought, Malcolm, you were stressing over something that wasn't a thing. It wasn't a, look at you. I've snagged my coat. I've cut my, I've cut my hands. It wasn't even a thing. And I want to say, is there something that you're hurting yourself over? You're making yourself bleed over something that's just going to wash off in the long grass just ahead. You see, the stories we tell ourselves are powerful. They will influence our behavior and they will influence the kind of victory that we are meant to receive. If we tell ourselves the wrong stories, we're going to miss God. We're going to miss God. We make some things an issue that wasn't an issue. My muddy trainers were not an issue, but I told myself, notice this, this is, this is, I'm not making this up, notice this, I, was, I wasn't going to dirty my trainers, I was going to ruin my trainers. I could have said, be, I could have told myself a different story, but I told myself I was going to ruin, so because I thought I was going to ruin them, I acted in a way that said, this is, like, this is now life and death. I'm bleeding over trainers that aren't actually going to get ruined. They're just going to get dirty. And that dirt will wash off in the long grass that's just ahead. You see, we, we understand that David told himself a different story. And David, David had told a story to himself many times. And, and when he was pressed, that story came out of him. That was the story he told to Saul. He said, hey, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. But when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. The uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, the same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. We can tell ourselves a different story. We can tell ourselves a different story. We're not going to get ruined in the mud. What God takes us through, it might, get, it might be a bit challenging and it might be a bit dirty, but don't worry. In the long grass up ahead, you're going to wash off everything that you thought was going to be a challenge. 
We can tell ourselves that with my God, I can overcome. It doesn't, it doesn't reduce the challenge that I face. The Goliath was still there. It was still an issue. There was still a giant that needed to be overcome. But the story that, I, that David told himself was the same God. The same God who helped me through that. The same God who got me through that sickness. The same God who got me through that financial situation. The same God who got me a job when I didn't think I would get a job. The same God who caused me to carry something that I never thought I'd be able to carry. The same God who caused me to live when I thought I was going to die. The same God. When we tell ourselves those stories, it enables us to rise up and we can face our giant because suddenly our God is bigger than the giant that we are facing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And sometimes that means that I've got to tell myself a story, a different story to what the rest of the crowd are telling themselves. Because David in that moment stood amongst an army who had been telling themselves a different story. He'd been standing amongst an army who'd been telling themselves, we can't do it, we can't do it, he's too big, he's too powerful. One man, a whole army. One man, a whole army. But a whole army was paralyzed by the story they told themselves. They convinced themselves that they were not able. And therefore, because they convinced themselves, they could not overcome. They could not overcome because you will believe the story you tell yourself. But if anyone could ever just rise up and say, you know what, I'm facing some giants right now. We are facing some giants right now. But with my God, I will certainly stand tall. With my God, I will certainly overcome. I'm not going to go out there wearing Saul's armor. I'm not going to go out there protecting myself. In the way the world says I should protect myself. I'm going to go out there with the anointing of God on me and the skill that God has put in me that has been honed, that has been practiced and I'm going to use what God has given me. I tried to think of an illustration but you know I'm, I, was, I was just trying to think of that, that picture of, of, of when they, what, what David would not have been able to do had he been wearing Saul's armor. I was thinking, I mean, I, I'm certainly no expert with a slingshot, but I can pretty much imagine what it takes and how Saul's armor would get in the way of what was in me. And I wouldn't be able to use what God has put in me. The end of the story is determined by the story I tell myself. The end of the story, I get to choose. I get to choose the end of the story by the story I tell myself. Will I go with the crowd or will I go with what God has put inside me? Will I go with the crowd who are trying to put things on me? Who are trying to make me wear things that are uncomfortable, but I'm wearing them because they say I should? 
Am I putting stuff on that is not part of me and not part of who I am? But you know what? Everyone else is wearing it. Everyone else is doing it. Maybe I should. Maybe it's me that's wrong. Or are you going to go with what God has put inside you? Are you going to go with that confidence, the kind of faith that causes you to stand out from the crowd? My God, I'm talking to someone this morning who knows the kind of carrying the kind of faith that is going to cause them to stand out from the crowd. The kind of faith that is going to cause you to rise up and overcome and stand against all kinds of intimidating circumstances that would try and restrict you, hold you back, and hold you down. My God, my God, my God, oh my God, we're taking off Saul's armor, we're taking off Saul's armor, we're letting go of some stuff we don't need, oh my God, oh my God, we're not putting on stuff that is a result of the fears of other men. We're letting faith rise. We're letting faith rise. We're letting faith rise in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I don't know what you need to do in this moment, whatever taking off souls armor means to you. You need to take off. Maybe someone has put something on you. They've, they've put a phrase on you. They've put a statement on you. They've said things that you are wearing that you need to take off because it's not you. Maybe you have strapped something to yourself because someone said you need this. You need this. You, keep, you take this because if you're going to fight, you need this. But it's not ever what God decided for you to, to use. And you've strapped stuff to yourself. You're wearing stuff that shouldn't even be there because it's not what God is going to use right now for this set of circumstances. Will you let God change the story? Will you let God change the story you tell yourself? Renew my mind, Lord. Renew my mind. Renew my mind. Renew my mind. Father, in the name of Jesus, from every last individual to us as a community, we take off everything that you do not intend us to wear. We unstrap the sword that we strap to ourselves and we let it fall to the ground. And we stand here in your presence and we honor the fact that you put some stuff in us. You have prepared us for now. We are enough for this moment, even though what it seems, what it looks like is not enough. It is enough because you have declared it enough. You have said it's enough. Therefore, it is enough. Therefore, I I'm enough. Therefore, you are enough. There are giants that are about to fall. There are giants that are about to fall. They have stood and they have intimidated us for so long. But in Jesus' name, the time has come. And they are about to fall. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.